Get informed, get inspired, and get connected. CannabisRadio.com presents NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. The National Cannabis Industry Association is the only national trade organization representing the businesses of the legal cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice covers a range of topics, including the rapidly evolving political and policy changes that affect our industry, news and events of importance to cannabis professionals, and features on companies, individuals, and campaigns at the cutting edge of the cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice begins now. Hello, thanks for tuning in to another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore. I'm the Communications Manager at the National Cannabis Industry Association. Today, I'm happy to introduce my guest, Michael Cooper. He's a leading regulatory advisor to the adult use cannabis industry. He's helping us understand all the rules, all the compliance and the risks. (laughs) (laughs) He's also vice chair of NCIA's state regulations committee and also a brand new member of NCIA's policy council. Congratulations, Michael. Thank you. Thank you, Bethany. (laughs) Great. Yeah, you're uh, very involved in NCIA since joining as a member. And the name of your company is Madison J Solutions. Great. Yes. So let's uh, learn a little bit more about you and your background and and what you were doing before you got involved in all this cannabis industry stuff. Sure. Uh, So my background is in law. Uh, I got my undergrad and law degrees from Harvard. uh, And after that, I spent a number of years practicing as a litigator at Cravath, Swain & Moore in New York. I always joke that law firm names don't mean much in this industry, but uh, I will tell you it's generally considered one of the nation's better law firms. And if you're looking to kill some time in a truly scintillating manner, feel free to Google it. Uh, (laughs) One of my focuses at Cravath was regulatory law. Uh, That meant I helped some of the leading companies in the world wrap their hands around regulatory risk, advised them on internal policies, and defended them before regulators. Uh, Cravath is also one of the leading firms for M&A and financing work, so I frequently would conduct regulatory diligence on deals. As you can imagine, if there's going to be a merger or debt is going to be issued, someone wants to know what kind of regulatory risk they're buying. Uh, After Cravath, I was the general counsel of a company called MHW, Uh, and for those of you who aren't in the alcohol industry, MHW is one of the leading providers of services to producers of alcohol. Uh, Basically, it helps level the playing field for independent brands and helps them get their products to market. Uh, And part of that is compliance services. And that's where this idea really came from. Gotcha. Yeah, I imagine there's a little bit of overlap between the alcoholic beverage industry and the cannabis industry with it being a consumption (laughs) substance, as it were. There is certainly overlap both in the theory of regulation in some of the jurisdictions that have legalized. uh, You have the exact same regulators responsible for it. And in others, you see folks who come from an alcohol background, an alcohol regulation background. So it, it certainly has a fair amount of overlap. And that's for a very logical reason. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So you're out on the East Coast. Um, Is it Florida that you're based in? 
We're based in New York. New York, of course. I'm sorry about that. So yeah, New New York is uh, is slowly but surely uh, catching up to some of the other states in the cannabis industry. So um, you got your work cut out for you out there. <laughs> so speaking of cannabis, what is it that got you involved in cannabis? Is there um, you know the personal story that some people have, or maybe a a passion for it? What's yours? Sure. So. In large part, one of the great selling points of MHW, the company uh, that we spun this company out of, is that uh, it helps folks in the alcohol industry navigate the complexity of the world of alcohol regulation, uh, which not surprisingly, like we were just discussing, is a highly regulated industry. As a result, uh, as adult use continued to gain momentum, folks kept asking us whether we were going to consider providing that type of assistance for this industry. Um, That is practical, actionable advice to let the operators actually focus on the parts of the business they got into the business to do. Uh, People rarely get into alcohol or cannabis because they love regulation. It's normally (laughs) some other interest that has led them there. Uh, So after a fair amount of study, uh, we decided that we wanted to help and we felt like we could help. Uh, That was particularly the case given the significant complexity of regulation in this industry that we saw, uh, as well as the number of independent brands in this space, which traditionally uh, were some of the the folks who looked to MHW for help. Uh, The one other piece of it that I like to mention, uh, and it's somewhat more theoretical, is this industry to us is one of the most exciting demonstrations of the power of American democracy. if you know the history of this industry, and you certainly do, and your listeners likely do, it's a voter-driven project. It was local elections and local voters uh, that really pushed this issue. Now you see politicians who have come into office with a real desire to make this industry work and to drive legalization through legislation, uh, and that's great, but it's a newer phenomenon. Uh, and a because this was originally a grassroots local initiative, that's how we think uh, our federalist system of government was supposed to work uh, the way the founders envisioned it. And if you're a history buff out there and you heard our name earlier, it's a tribute to two of the authors of the federalist papers, James Madison and John Jay. Uh, And we felt like the third author, Alexander Hamilton has gotten enough press recently. So we named ourselves after Madison and Jay. How did I never put that together before? (laughs) That's so cool to know. Thank you for telling me that. (laughs) So, all right. So Madison J Solutions, now you are the co-founder and managing member. Um, So let's get into more about what Madison J Solutions is doing, what your role looks like, what your day-to-day is. Where's the company going? Sure. So... I oversee the day-to-day business operations of the company. Uh, That means I'm very involved in our substantive work, uh, but also the kind of nitty-gritty that uh, any entrepreneur would recognize, and certainly the kinds of entrepreneurs uh, who are in this industry who are dealing with (laughs) all types of different issues. Mm -hmm. Uh, So on a given day, uh, I might be talking to our team about an enforcement action or an industry bulletin that's come out, trying to make sure that we agree on the upshot for our clients. Uh, And once we do that, getting a targeted alert out to our clients that need that alert, um, the people who it impacts, 
uh, or revising our client policies and procedures and checklists to reflect those changes. Um, the good news is sometimes we actually see something like that ripple across the country. Uh, so it's already in uh, our policies, it's baked in. And obviously that's a great feeling when you're out in front. Um, but you know, we, I think that one of our real strengths is our team. That's why it's fun for me to do this. Uh, Eric Becker is great. He's our director of research and analysis. Uh, and I think he has a very unique background in this industry. Uh, we had worked together years ago when he was a transactional attorney uh, doing M&A and venture capital deals. Uh, and then after that, he uh, served as a prosecutor for a number of years. So that's a, that's a perspective that I love to lean on. Uh, we also have Jordan Fox, who's our director of legal. I talk to him a lot, uh, and he's just a really smart, innovative guy. Uh, we met back at college and Harvard, and he tends to be a great outside-of-the-box thinker, and in an industry as new as this one, I find that that perspective is helpful because sometimes things do come uh, from left field. Uh, mm -hmm. There can also be things that, uh, you know, a client will ask a question and I'll want to run it by our senior advisor, John Bodette. John is the president of MHW and he's one of the leading thinkers, uh, in my view, on brand development and the alcohol space. And he's a fantastic resource on that. Um, we also try to be active in the industry, doing our part to contribute. So on a given day, I might be working on something for the state regulations committee. I've had a number of those things today. For example, uh, we're talking to one of the staffers trying to get something set up. Uh, I might be writing something for the trade press or speaking to policymakers or regulators, uh, or I might be doing something for an academic audience, uh, like my article last year on cannabis regulation or speaking to law students. Gotcha. Yeah. Michael, you have con contributed some really great member blog articles <laughs> to us over the last year and and they get great feedback from people. <laughs> so any listeners that want to get deep into this, um, I recommend you head to NCIA's website and find our blog, the Industry Insights blog, and, and search for the articles uh, that Michael's contributed. They're really fascinating. I appreciate that. Thanks, Bethany. Yeah, yeah, it's great stuff. And thanks for being involved in our state regulations committee, too. I think our committees are a fantastic way uh, for members who have all this knowledge to come together and create something greater, uh, you know, than the pieces. Um, it's, it's awesome to watch, and I can't wait to see what the committees are doing in 2019. Um, I wanted to touch on how, you know, we're, we are a few years here into a, in a real industry out of the shadows of the criminal market, even beyond the medical medical market. We, we have many, many sophisticated companies that have emerged over the last few years. And we're also seeing these companies buy out other companies now at this point, all the little mom and pops, some of them are getting their exit plan and retiring and selling to somebody else. And this is also part of the work that Madison Jay is doing. And, and it, I think it speaks to how our industry is maturing. Would you agree? No, I definitely agree. I, look, we're honored to be a part of this and to help people be ready for that uh, that day in the future where maybe they're, they are getting ready for <laughs> to get a retirement nest egg out of their business or you know just setting this up so that it's something that they can pass down so that this can be a durable, real family business uh, that you see generation to generation. 
uh, because a big piece of that is having the infrastructure in place to make sure that you stay within the bounds of the regulations that are set up. This is a highly regulated industry. And just like every other highly regulated industry, uh, it's our view that folks are well served by having people who can advise them on how to make sure that they're doing the right thing so that when people come in, whether it's a potential investor, whether it's your board, whoever it might be, a regulator, you have a, a plan in place that you can explain to them, okay, this is how we dealt with these issues, and they're going to get comfort from that. That's how everybody else does it uh, in highly regulated industries, and it's how you're starting to see it be done here. We're getting all grown up. How nice. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we're going to take a quick commercial break, and then we'll be right back to chat more with Michael Cooper from Madison J Solutions. Stay tuned. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now. Bought a game for your phone, gonna make you say, wow! The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash. Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash. Little by little, your empire grows large. Put the big celebrities inside your entourage. You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Chichin Chong. Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong. The name of the game is Himping, that's the point. Download and play while you light yourself a joint. The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Cannabis industry professionals want to gain some new leads, make genuine business connections, and get premier brand exposure? This is your opportunity. NCIA's new industry socials are kicking off in Seattle, Portland, Las Vegas, Salt Lake City, and Phoenix in January. Register today using the promo code CANNABISRADIO20, all spelled in caps as one word, CANNABISRADIO20, to take 20% off at thecannabisindustry.org slash events. Sponsorship opportunities are available. Register today at thecannabisindustry.org slash events. The National Cannabis Industry Association presents the Seed to Sales Show, February 12th and 13th in Boston. Register now at seedtosaleshow.com or dial 888-409-4418. Use code CANNABISRADIO15, spelled as one word with capital letters, for 15% off of registration. NCIA Seed to Sales Show will host over 3,000 cannabis professionals and focus on innovations in technology and cultivation, infused products and extraction, and sales strategies. The show will recognize the best in the industry with the NCIA Industry Excellence Awards. Plan your experience now for the 2019 NCIA Seed to Sales Show in Boston, February 12th and 13th. Go now to SeedToSellShow.com or call 1-888-409-4418. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, we're back on NCI's Cannabis Industry Voice weekly podcast on Cannabis Radio. And we're chatting with Michael Cooper from Madison J Solutions, all about helping cannabis companies navigate regulations, compliance, and other risks. So, 
Michael, we hear all about the importance of compliance in our industry. It's it's our mantra, compliance, compliance, compliance. And of course, our regulations uh, from state to state and, and even to the local level are ever changing and complicated. So on the surface, I mean, that's just following the rules. But there's the question as to like why we do this and and what else is involved in all this what's your perspective sure uh so look it's very easy to say follow the rules and if anyone is wondering i wholeheartedly recommend everyone in this highly regulated industry have that as their goal follow uh, the should, rules <laughs> want to follow the rules yes uh, it is a question of okay, how do you actually go about that? That I think that brings in a lot of the complexity. Um, you know, it, it relates to what we were just talking about. I come at this from the perspective of other highly regulated industries. And in other highly regulated industries, compliance isn't something you do on a wing and a prayer. You put in <laughs> place a plan and a roadmap. Uh, and those policies and procedures should guide not only how your team acts, but should also provide a useful narrative for someone who's demanding answers, whether that person is a regulator, mm -hmm. whether that person is an investor, a potential investor, or your CEO. They're all trying to understand how did you operate in this highly regulated environment? Uh, and so there's something worth flagging here that I've learned over the course of my career, which is that that type of material, those uh, policies, procedures can't just be legalese or vague statements, uh, which can be tempting, but that's not going to provide any comfort to that potential investor or someone like me when I was doing regulatory deal diligence. It, if I can't figure out what it actually means in practice, it doesn't help me feel more comfortable uh, with your operation. The right. other piece of it is it's certainly not going to help the person on your team who actually probably isn't a lawyer know what they're actually supposed to do. So if you want to have people following the rules, you need to give them something that they can actually work with and understand, even if they are not a lawyer, even if they haven't spent their career in compliance, the frontline people are where a lot of the risk is going to inherently be created. And you need to make sure that those folks who want to do the right thing understand how they can do the right thing. That's key. Absolutely. And there's a huge difference between legalese <laughs> and, you know, reading something at like, you know, not to insult anybody at all, but, you know, <laughs> a, a fifth grade reading level, like you get what that says. There is no confusion it's clear as day so and and it reminds me and again i'm not a lawyer attorney or anything but i think um when i read about the harborside health care tax court case recently although they lost i believe i read something along the lines that they had they were able to demonstrate that they were doing things in such a certain way under the a certain interpretation that uh, they're getting a little bit of lenience there because they were able to show documentation why they were doing what they were doing um, in good faith to adhere to a certain standard. So is, is that kind of along the lines of what you're talking about? It definitely is. One of the biggest things when you're dealing with any regulator is you have to you have to look at things from their perspective. You have to 
look at things through the eyes of the person who's looking at this, trying to make sure that you have a safe, clean, efficient market. And one of the biggest things that someone is always going to ask when they think that there's a potential issue is, how did this come about? And if they think that it was something that slipped through the cracks or there was an accident, well, accidents happen uh, and mistakes can always happen. You're never going to eliminate the, the prospect of a mistake completely. Right. Uh, but what they really don't want to see is a total absence of care or yeah. come to the conclusion that you think that they were never going to catch you, right? Oof. Because yeah. that is, that's insulting to them. This is what they do for a living. Uh, yeah. And they don't want to think, if they think that you have a disregard for one rule, they're left to wonder what other rules you're disregarding. Uh, and that's not a good place to be. It puts you in a very uh, negative light just from the get-go. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Um, so when we dive deeper into re- regulations and you know we think about what am I allowed to do? What mm. am I allowed to do? There's even more than that there as well based on some, some things that we've been discussing. Mm. What, what would you say about that? So that's, that's one of the things that I always try to stress to people who are newer to the world of highly regulated industries and compliance. Uh, there are some things that are straightforward in the rules. And for those things, you just need to follow them. Things like camera placement around entrances and exits or recording specifications. Mm -hmm. That's not something that (laughs) you should be saying, well, I don't know. I don't know how many, you know, what resolution I'm supposed to have. That's going to be in in the regs. Yeah, just do it. (laughs) Get it over with. Find find out what it is and make sure that you've done it. Uh, There are other things that are more inherently subjective. And if something is inherently subjective, what you want to do is detail your thought process that led you to the actions you took, exactly what you were just talking about. Hmm. Uh, and But keep in mind, compliance is ultimately about risk mitigation, not risk elimination. Yeah. So let's say you're a California retailer. The rules require cameras to record activity within 20 feet of all entrance and exits. Now you could check your camera placement five times an hour to make sure it's 20 feet and not 19.99 uh, because the foundation of the building could have shifted. Oh, good grief. Right? <laughs> you could theoretically do that, but okay. that doesn't seem like a very efficient use of resources. And I don't think it's required. I don't think anyone thinks that's required. Uh, but look, you also don't want to just put the cameras up, eyeball it and say, yeah, that's probably right. Right there, <laughs> there has to be a reasonable process that you follow. Um, and really, what you want to do is reduce risk to an efficient and reasonable level, because that's really what regulators are going to ask you for. So I use the example, and I think I've discussed this with you in the past, of speed limits. If you want to reduce uh, serious injuries from car accidents, you could set the speed limit at two miles an hour. But that wouldn't be worth the trade-off, the dramatic loss in productivity that we would all suffer. Alternatively, we don't set the speed limit at 150 miles an hour. The marginal gains in productivity over a 55 or a 65 mile per hour speed limit, depending on where you are, aren't worth the costs. Uh, To do real compliance requires the same kind of strategic thinking about what do you need to do to adjust risk to a reasonable level. That makes sense. That makes sense. 
So on one hand, there's rules to follow, Mm -hmm. but there's also a bigger issue around making smart decisions and that people are watching us ranging Mm -hmm. from regulators to the customers even, Mm -hmm. to the investors, which you mentioned, Mm -hmm. and the general public, like our parents and soccer moms and things like that. So our actions are always being judged. And that's so important for an industry like ours that's new and still federally illegal. Do you want to get more into that? Sure. Look, I'll first just plug uh, that there's a somewhat technical legal question about the constitutional division of powers between the federal government and the states that I think raises questions about whether the federal government has the authority to reach any intrastate cannabis market. Uh, I'll leave it at that. If you're interested in that, uh, the law nerds out there, feel free to check out my article in volume 18, issue two of the UC Davis Business Law Journal. Nice. Uh, It's a great journal. I highly recommend it to everyone. Uh, But more generally, you're bringing up a great point, uh, which is there are a lot of audiences, and this is an industry under the microscope. So doing things the right way and having a tangible way of demonstrating that you approach these issues in the right way is essential. Now, at a more direct level, it's essential because we all know that operators in this industry still exist on a spectrum, just like in any other industry, uh, and some are more committed to compliance than others. That's just Mm -hmm. human nature. Uh, The difference is this industry is under a real compliance microscope. There are a lot of people watching in the state that you're in. Uh, And there are folks watching in other markets trying to figure out, is this something we should bring uh, to our jurisdiction? Uh, The other piece of it is being out of compliance here can mean something very different than being out of compliance in another highly regulated industry uh, because of that residual federal risk. Mm -hmm. So what I always say is if you want to be a durable, long-term player in this industry, it's important to show where you are on that spectrum Uh, And at an industry level, uh, to the other part of your question, I'm a firm believer that the spread of this reform movement is in part a function of the professionalism of the members of the industry uh, and the support that they've gotten from public-facing organizations like the NCIA. So it's a good thing when curious folks go into a licensed retail location and come out impressed with the security measures with respect to the product, the professionalism of the staff, and the quality of the products. That makes them more likely to say, hey, this is a real industry with a robust set of plans in place to deal with some of the concerns I may have had. Mm -hmm. And it makes it easier for organizations like the NCIA to go to policymakers and say, hey, These are the types of responsible business people who benefit from reform. Yep. You totally get it. Appreciate that. (laughs) Yes. Especially when we go to DC for lobby days, Mm -hmm. we are demonstrating we're legitimate, we're responsible, we're above board, and we should be treated just like any other industry. Mm -hmm. All right. We're going to take one more commercial break, and then we'll come back and chat more with Michael Cooper of Madison J Solutions. So stay tuned. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. 
Now available for pre-order through crowdfunding for just $14 plus $10 shipping. Pouches, premium mixing and rolling pouches, allow you to carry and prepare your herbs for consumption with discretion and ease. These stylish pouches are handcrafted using strong zips, long-wearing buffalo leather outside, and smooth sheepskin inside. A portion of proceeds go to fund vital medical research into cannabis for ADHD. See a demo and get yours now on Indiegogo or Pouches.com. That's P-O-U-C-H-Z.com. Strainwise Consulting is the most sought-after consulting company for cannabis business applications and management contracts. We consulted on the first recreational license in the world and have had an over 95% success rate on applications submitted. The industry is growing at such an exponential rate that building a powerful and lasting cannabis business is a number one priority. Here's Strainwise's Sean Eubanks. In our first five years, we branded and supported nine medical and recreational marijuana dispensaries and a approximately 160,000 square feet of sophisticated and efficient product cultivation. Strainwise Consulting has the experience and expertise to guide you through the process. Are you ready to be inspired and educated by the best of the best in the cannabis industry while enjoying sunny South Florida? Then you cannot miss out on the second annual United States Cannabis Conference and Expo, August 2nd and 3rd at the Hyatt Regency in downtown Miami. The USCC Expo welcomes all cannabis business professionals, medical cannabis caregivers and clinicians, growers and dispensary owners to join us for another can't-miss event. Sponsored by the radio and podcast leader for all things cannabis, CannabisRadio.com. Learn more at usccexpo.com. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, we're back on NCI's Cannabis Industry Voice, and we're wrapping up our conversation with Michael Cooper of Madison J Solutions. And as I mentioned earlier, uh, he's a brand new member of NCI's Policy Council. And if you're not familiar with NCI's Policy Council, it's comprised of industry leaders that are selected by our board of directors. And what it is is a policy think tank to develop cannabis policy at the federal level and create models that inform other states, perhaps. And we've produced white papers ranging from everything from tax to how testing labs uh, for analysis should conduct themselves and and just all kinds of important standards that um, as we bounce from state to state, hopefully we'll start to see some cohesion and uh, it'll start to even out. So um, it's awesome to have a Harvard graduate on our (laughs) NCI Policy Council. Congratulations. Thank you. We're very excited to be a part of it. Uh, Obviously, the Policy Council does uh, very important work just having a leadership role um, and a voice for the industry on what the best practices uh, are and how how to move this industry forward. So it's one of the great things the NCIA does. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. Um, And then, of course, we mentioned you're on the State Regulations Committee, um, and that committee's been putting out some really helpful educational content, um, like a webinar about Michigan's Mm -hmm. policy. Is that right? Yes. Uh, In January, we'll have uh, a webinar on the new uh, regulations that will be coming in Michigan. Uh, We'll have some content related to the new 
uh, regulations that have been promulgated in California. So stay tuned, check your, your various NCIA media feeds uh, <laughs> because the state regulations committee has some, some exciting stuff uh, that we're very proud of. Yeah, we were so excited when when Michigan went. Oh, it it was a joyous time here. <laughs> it's it's such a huge market, and I don't. I think not a lot of people realize the impact that Michigan's going to have. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty exciting. Um, I want to back up real quick. Um, what are your top pieces of advice for cannabis companies? Is there something that just comes up over and over mm-hmm. and over again that you just want to address? Sure. So I would say the biggest thing is have a plan, train your staff on that plan, document your plan, and then stay vigilant because you can't assume in this industry that what was the right way to do something six months ago, 12 months ago is still the right way to do it uh, because the rules keep changing. It's a new industry and it's evolving quickly. So you have to stay vigilant. Good advice. Um, so, yeah, thanks for all your involvement in NCIA at, at the various levels, the committees, the Policy Council, contributing member content to our blog, and being on the podcast today. I appreciate it. Um, <laughs> Thank you for having me. Yeah, I hope you'll be able to make it to our lobby days, which is mm-hmm. May 21st through 23rd in Washington, D.C., of course. Um, it will be our eighth, ninth, ninth annual Cannabis Industry Lobby Days. Um, and I'm hoping we will get a, a contingent of 300 or more NCIA members uh, to walk the halls of Congress with us and meet some of these new members of Congress that I'm really excited about. Um, I've been watching uh, Alexandria Orcasio uh, do, do her rooftop dance over and over again. I'm really excited about it. We've got some good, fresh energy in Congress, in the 116th Congress, and it looks like some of these people that have been elected to replace some of the old guard are going to be uh, more friendly to c- cannabis policy reform. Do you, do you sense that also? No, that's definitely true. You can see it in the nitty gritty of folks like Pete Sessions, no longer being the chairman of the House Rules Committee, uh, but just generally, uh, there's clearly a new wave of folks that are coming into Congress who I imagine are very receptive to the great work that the NCIA does in Washington. Yeah, I agree. I'm super excited. Uh, And in addition to Lobby Days, which is happening in May, um, we also have our Seed to Sale show coming to Boston, pretty Mm -hmm. close to you up there in New York. That'll be February 12th through 13th. Mm -hmm. It's exciting to move our Seed to Sale show from Denver to the Northeast, which (laughs) which is – a whole nother world of, you know, I'm from Maryland, so I'm used to all the tiny little states. You can drive through eight states in half of a day. And that's a whole nother domino effect mm. up there in that part of the country. So we're really excited to go get in the Northeast for this conference and, and meet some of the, the players up there and, and the, the soon to be cannabis industry professionals. Mm. Um, Of course, we also have a new event series I'd like to mention called Industry Socials. Our West Coast tour is happening in January. We'll be in Seattle, Washington, Portland, Oregon, Las Vegas, 
Salt Lake City, Utah, which we're all a little surprised about, and Phoenix, Arizona. So uh, do you think you'll be able to make it to any of those this January? Yep, I will be in Portland and Seattle. Uh, I will also be in Boston for Seed to Sale. So if you see Eric or me up in Boston, come by, say hi. That sounds great. Um, and of course, those that are used to our Cannabis Caucus events, we are continuing those in 2019 in five regions. Those are taking place in, uh, they're kicking off in March. And in March, we're going to be in Philly, Denver, Detroit, Los Angeles, and San Francisco. So I urge listeners to log on and register for those events now. You can find all that on our website, which is thecannabisindustry.org. All right. Well, we have run out of time, but Michael, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. I look forward to seeing you at some of these events. Thanks so much for having me. Great. Well, thanks everybody for tuning into this latest episode of NCI's Cannabis Industry Voice. Until next time. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.